I wanted to, I, I'm, I'm trying to deliver to you um, through, this, through this series that we're doing now called The Grace Factor. Like I said, it could have been The Jesus Factor, The Redemption Factor, The Forgiveness Factor. I mean, it could have been any one of those things. Uh, but, but The Grace Factor, what I'm trying to get you guys to do is to see yourself differently. See yourself differently. I think the reason that we don't live up to our full privileges in Christ Jesus when we make him the Lord of our lives is because we're still seeing ourselves as that old sinner saved by grace. And that's not the way God wants you to view yourself. He wants you to view yourself as um, completely forgiven, completely holy. Now, some of you are going to have a hard one with that. How can I look at myself as completely holy? That's just, I I know the thoughts that go through this brain of mine. No, in nature, in spirit nature, you are holy like God is holy. You have the Holy Spirit in you, so you have the distinct advantage over anybody else in the world who does not have the Holy Spirit in them to know what to do, when to do it, how to do it. You have the ability to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You have the ability to speak to things that are not going the way they should and start speaking to them and commanding those situations to right themselves. And they have to change because you have authority in Jesus Christ. I want you to see yourself different. Just let me give you, for instance, the other day, you know, I was just, I was just, really aware of my humanity. Anybody ever been really aware of your humanity, <laughs> your ugly, yucky humanity, right? I was just super aware of it, and it just wasn't feeling like that super connection to God, and, and, and I just started to do this. I started to say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin for me, that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am holy before God. I am connected supernaturally. I'm in the family with all of its rights. And as I was saying these things, it was like all of a sudden, I started to fill up on the inside and it was like that, that void where I didn't feel connected to God completely gone. That's how close you are to feeling that closeness to Jesus. Just the words out of your mouth and a change of your mindset. So I'm trying to get you guys to see yourselves like Jesus sees you. Now, this does not go well with religion. I'm just going to tell you straight up. This does not go well with religion because, you know, religion teaches you that you're an old sinner saved by grace, that you are absolutely nothing. Hey, when you get born again, you become something. You know, when you say about something to someone, yeah, they're sure of something, all right. That's the way you are. You're a something. Because now that you're in Christ Jesus, all the rights and privileges and everything that he is, you are, everything he has, you are. Well, you're not the son of God. Let me just make sure we understand that. You are not the son of God. But everything else, all the rights and privileges, how he operated in the earth, you can operate in the earth. Do you know Jesus spoke to things? Jesus spoke to fig trees. Jesus spoke to fevers. And they left fig trees, and they died. Jesus spoke to a little girl who was dead and said, she's not dead, she's just asleep, and she came back to life. 
Jesus spoke to a young man in a coffin being carried by, by his mother and, and another morning party and said, arise. And what did he do? He arose. You have the same ability on the inside of you. Can you just see yourself different tonight? So the whole goal of, the, of understanding the grace factor is when I understand God's love and his grace for me, faith is easy. Stuff to receive from God is easy. Why? Because now I'm connected and understand who I am. So I want to say to you, understand who you are in Christ Jesus and don't be afraid to say it out loud. Saying it out loud. When you feel inept, when you feel like you don't have what it takes for this project at work, Father, I thank you that you've given me everything I could need for life and godliness. So I thank you that I am, I am well equipped for the task at hand. But you don't even know what you're doing. Doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit will tell me how to do it. So we need to see ourselves different. Our only focus or work we do for Jesus is to... Did we already forget from last week? Our only focus or work that we do for Jesus is to believe. That is our job. And I know this is kind of like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not what, what, what I've been taught my whole life. Well, let's look at the Bible, and we're going to do that tonight. Uh, we learned last week that understanding the grace factor really is more about making sure what we do, we do from the right motivation. So I'm not going to help somebody or be a blessing to somebody because I know that if I do that, I'll garner God's favor. I already have God's favor. Absolutely, no matter what I've done today or didn't do, said or didn't say, thoughts that were nasty that went through my mind or not, I have the favor of God living on my life. So because I have that, I don't have to have a motivation of, I'm going to do that for somebody because it'll garner favor with God and then he'll give me things. No, we do those things because we're just being like Jesus because that's who we are. Now, if you're having a hard time with, wait a minute, you're saying I'm just like Jesus? Yeah, you're a son of God too, a daughter of God too. You're not the son of God. Some of you ladies may think you're the daughter of God, and that's okay, you can do that, you know, in your own little mind. But Jesus is the son of God, but we are also sons and daughters of God with the same rights and privileges in the family. So we never get something from God from what we've done because it's already been given to us in Christ Jesus. We realize that it's an all expense paid trip and not the one that you receive from the timeshare call. <laughs> Where, well, they give you this, but you have to pay a $190 fee and then you have to pay. No, this is an all expense paid trip. You'll never have to lift your billfold out of your wallet or out of your pocket. Never. Ladies, you'll never have to lift your wallet out of your purse, ever. God's got it all paid for. All expenses paid. All we have to do is just simply believe that Jesus was enough, is enough, and has enough for me. Amen. All right, let's look at um, uh, John chapter 6, verses 26 through 40. Now, of course, I've got this in the Amplified because, oh, I just like the Amplified. I just love the way it takes some of the Greek meanings and puts it into the verse so you can understand what these words actually mean. Jesus answered them, verse 26, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, you've been searching for me, not because you saw the miracles and signs, but because you were fed with loaves and were filled 
and satisfied. Jesus is basically saying this, hey, when you get with me, there comes a satisfaction on the inside, a deep soul, when we make believing in Jesus our sole focus. How many of you would just like that relief from life? You ever done that? Like I've been in the yard or cutting the lawn or out playing golf in the middle of the blazing heat like we were the other day, Tom, that was awful. And me and Tom are just looking at each other going, why are we doing this? We're like sweating our brains out. But then you come home and you get in the shower and what happens when that shower water comes on, that warm water? Because all the grime, all the yuck that you felt, all the sweaty, all the gross, it just goes away. And that's what Jesus is for our soul. He's a deep soul Oh man, I love that about Jesus. So he's saying, listen, you didn't come back because, you know, you saw signs and miracles. You came back because I fed your soul. That deep need on the inside of each and every one of us. We try to fill it with sports or try to fill it with TV or try to fill it with relationships and and, you know, we try to get it from relationships and wonder why our relationships are always kind of falling to pieces because we keep on trying to extract things from people that only God can give us. So what we do is we just kind of get that deep soul aisle and we go, Jesus, I believe that you were enough and that my sin is completely paid for past, present, and future. And I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus with all its rights and privileges. Amen. And I keep that soul focus. Verse 27, stop toiling and doing and producing for the food that perishes and decomposes in the using, but strive and work and produce rather for the lasting food, which endures continually unto life eternal. The son of man will give or furnish you that. For God the father has authorized and certified him and put his seal of endorsement on him. It says that Jesus will give to us, this is the idea. I focus on Jesus, what he's done, who I am, what he furnishes, and that he gives us eternal life. That's my job. I'm focusing on that connection. I'm focusing on Jesus, you're enough. I'm focusing on you got this God, I don't have to worry about it. That's what I'm focusing on. Now, Jesus contrasts uh, this life living according to the law compared with living through grace by faith. He says, stop toiling, doing, producing. Why are we human beings and we try to be human doings? Because we've been taught all of our lives that if you want something, you've got to work hard for it. I still believe that principle. I really do. I believe that principle. But I don't believe that principle when it comes to my relationship with Jesus. I do not have to work hard to have a good life. I have to do one simple thing, and that is believe in the one who paid it all and gave me this good life. That's, that's going to be my focus. Now, eternal life is really interesting because how many of you believe that eternal life means going to heaven? Right? I mean, yes. But that's not all eternal life is. People think, well, eternal life, that just means once I leave here and go to heaven. No. John 17, 3 says this, and it tells us, it gives us the definition of eternal life. How do I know that? Because the first five words are, and this is eternal life. (laughs) 
So pretty much we know what's coming next is going to tell us. It means, well, that's even more strong, isn't it? To know, perceive, recognize, become acquainted with, and understand you, the only true and real God, and likewise to know him. It's just not only knowing God, but or, or, or recognizing God, but it's knowing him. Jesus as the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah whom you sent. That's what he wants from us. That's what eternal life is. Understanding it's not about a place. Eternal life is not just about a place, although it does include a place for us in the kingdom of heaven. And my mansion is probably going to be right next to all you chapel people. I'll let you come over. We'll barbecue. Um, So we just understand it's not about a place. It's found in the person of Jesus. Verse 28, then they said, what are we to do? We talked about this last week, that we may habitually be working the works of God. What are we to do to carry out what God requires? I mean, don't we all want to know that? Okay, what is God asking from me in this life? What is he looking for from me? What does he require? Jesus replied, this is the work. Now, he just talked about stop toiling, producing. Y'all with me? He just talked about that two verses later. Now he said, this is the work. Quote, unquote, the toiling, the producing that God asks of you, that you believe in the one whom he has sent, that you cleave to, trust, rely on, and have faith in his messenger, Jesus. Very, very clearly, Jesus gave us the one job to make sure that we do everything that we can do to strengthen that faith connection and what we truly believe. And I believe that happens daily. For me, guys, I have to meditate on the book of Romans and grace every single day or I get right back into condemnation because I am a recovering condemnationaholic. <laughs> if there's something to beat myself up about, I'm your man. Oh, I can beat myself up better than anybody. Disappointed. There is nobody who has harder uh, astringent uh, restrictions on themselves than I do. And you're never going to have a bigger expectation of me than I already have of myself. That's what I love when they talk to these athletes that make bazillions of dollars and go, what's your motivation? What's your motivation? Obviously, it's obvious what the motivation is. It's right in front of them, right? But God's not like that. He doesn't say, okay, dance, monkey, dance. And when you dance well enough, then I'll bless you, then I'll give you things. But we've been kind of taught that in this life. That's not the truth. He just wants us to give ourselves to that connection. Verse 30, therefore they said to him, what sign, miracle, this cracks me up, what sign, wonder, and miracle will you perform then so that we may see it and believe and rely on and adhere to you? What supernatural work have you to show what you can do? It's like, okay, Jesus, cool. Then show us something so we'll have faith. Bunch of doubting Thomases, right? Our forefathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as the scripture says. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, Moses, which Moses and the law are connected, did not give you the bread from heaven. What Moses gave you was not the bread from heaven but it is my father who truly gives you um, that who gives you the true heavenly bread. Guys, the law was never given to us to be bread, to feed our soul. 
It was never given to us for that. It was given to us so that we could see that there's no way that we could measure up to God's standard. That's all it was doing. And it did it real well because nobody measured up to that standard except one guy. And his name is? He's the only guy. He's the only one that was perfect. He's the only one who did everything right. There will never be one like him again. As imperfect or as, as perfect as you can walk and tow your line and walk, do your Bible stuff, man, I tell you, within a week, I'm sure if there was a tally on you, you'd fallen short. That's why we need the blood of Jesus. All right. So he told them that I'm the true heavenly bread. The Father gives me. For the bread of God is he who comes down, verse 33, out of heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus said basically, no, that's not how it works. I'm the one feeding you. They're basically saying, hey, Jesus, seeing is believing. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Believing is seeing. When we believe, when we strengthen that connection, that connection point by reading our Bibles, not because we're trying to earn something with God, but reading our Bibles because we're making connection with who we really are. We're looking into the mirror. I don't even have a physical Bible with me. Here's a physical Bible. We're actually looking into the mirror and going, oh, wow, that's what I look like. Wow, I'm good looking. Wow, God really, really loves me. I can't figure it out, but he really is crazy about me. Wow, I can really pray for the sick and they'll get well. Wow. I can give to God and honor him with my finances and he'll take care of mine. That's weird. I was always taught, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on your can. You know, that's not the way God kingdom works. Ultimately, when we give to that faith connection by reading our Bible, by praying uh, in the Holy Spirit, by just lifting up our hands and saying, thank you, God, for being so good to me. When we strengthen that connection and revelation starts to flow of who we really are, God starts doing some amazing things in your life. What would a life be like, I want to ask you, without any condemnation? I want you to imagine that for yourself. Just for a moment. What would it look like if you could actually walk around guilt-free like your sins are really forgiven, like your ugly things that nobody else knows about, that God knows about, that you've repented for, you didn't even know what you're talking about, but yet you feel the condemnation or shame from it. Something else I've started to do, and I encourage you if you're a parent of younger kids, don't shame and condemn your kids. You should be ashamed of yourself. I had that told to me a half a dozen times, I'm sure, growing up. My parents didn't know any, any different. You know, you should be ashamed of yourself. Shame on you. I don't ever want to put shame on anybody. So if like, I, and if you're here tonight and this is you, don't, I'm not thinking about you. I'm just thinking in general. If you say, hey, Pastor John, I'm going to call you during the week and you never call me, I'm not going to go, pfft. Nice, you just broke your word. You know, what's your problem? Don't you not? No, I'm not going to shame shame you, because I don't want shame. How many of you like shame? Anybody like shame? Anybody a fan of shame? <laughs> None of us are fans of shame. And let me tell you something: when you're under shame, it only keeps you in the sin that you can't seem to get away from. 
But when I start to declare, thank you, Father, I'm holy and righteous and you've paid for everything, that's how I actually walk away from those things. They have less pull on me. Okay, verse 34. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always, all the time. I mean, really, how dumb can you be and still breathe? (laughs) But they just didn't get it. They were spiritually dead. They didn't get it. So Jesus replies, like he already told them, I am the bread of life. He talks about the bread of God as he who comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Obviously, he's talking about himself. Oh, Jesus, so could you give us... uh..." He said, listen, I am the bread of life, you morons. He who comes to me... No shame and condemnation, right? He who comes to me will never be hungry, and he who believes in and cleaves to and trusts in and relies on me will never thirst anymore. I gotta believe that Jesus is saying all these things with a with just kind of a smile of love on his face. Just saying, no, 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 no. I'm the bread of life. I'm sorry, I didn't make that clear. I'm the bread of life. Verse uh, 36, but as I told you, although you have seen me, still you do not believe and trust and have faith. Basically, Jesus comes to pointing out that's, you know, that we can't do what's needed. Therefore, Grace. All of whom my Father gives and trusts to me will come to me. Now check this out. Now let's make sure we understand whose responsibility it is to help you grow and to help you see yourself right and to help you to be blessed. Jesus says this, All whom my Father gives and trusts to me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will most certainly not cast out. I will never, no never, reject one of them who comes to me. So here's the solution Jesus offers. Come to me, believe in me. My yoke is easy, my burden's light. I'll make it easy for you. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will and purpose, but to do the will and purpose of him who sent me. Jesus's qualification for for being who he is is selflessness. There's never been a more selfless human being ever than Jesus. And that's how we're called to live in selflessness. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should not lose any, now listen, this is Jesus' job, that I should not lose any of all that he has given me, but that I should give new life and raise them all up at the last day. His job is to make sure that we don't fall or don't fail. Now, some of you are going, what? I ultimately hold that card. Well, in some respects, yes, but in most respects, when you put your trust in and believe in Jesus, no, he holds the responsibility. Can you see how the ease of this life, it's kind of like all I got to do, Jesus, is just really focus on my connection to you and all this other stuff is going to take care of itself? Yeah, well, that sounds too good to be true. Yeah, (laughs) it is too good to be true. For this is my Father's will and His purpose, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in and cleaves to and trusts in and relies on Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up from the dead at the last day. We just talked about what eternal life is. So I'm, I'm going to stop there because I want to I want to talk about I'm going to talk about what that focus is in our lives, what that looks like. Isaiah 26:3 says this. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. 
It could even work in the reverse. Because he trusts in you, he keeps his mind stayed on you, right? We can kind of do that in the, in, in the reverse, and you'll keep him in perfect peace. So what I would like to do is I would like to focus on that next week. But does everybody understand, I have to say this at every message when I talk about grace, does everybody understand I'm not saying just go out and do whatever you feel like doing. I'm not saying that. But it feels like if I don't say that, people are going to say, well, he's just preaching that grace stuff. People just go out and do whatever they want and just say, Jesus loves me and forgive yeah, Well, it's true anyhow. But the more that we understand that and know that and strengthen that faith connection, those things just lose power over us. Those, wouldn't it be better to just not want to do something that's pulling on you than to fight and scratch your brains out not to do it? Right? If you have some secret thing that you struggle with, maybe whatever it is. God wants us just to stand in awe and the gaze of who he is. And so, Father, we do that tonight. We just take a moment to lift our hands and close our eyes and just thank you for the connection that we have in Christ Jesus, the strength that, that you've brought to us. I'm just praying over every single person here tonight, Lord, and every single person that's watching us by live stream or maybe watch this afterward. I pray in the name of Jesus that you'd open up the eyes of their understanding so that they would know the width, the length, the depth, and the height, basically all the dimensions and understanding of your love. I know that we see darkly, Father, but the Bible says we can see. So I'm praying that you would just reveal, unveil, and unfold your love to us tonight. Help us to walk in that and help us to walk in the connection of understanding that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And everything is going to work out for me because I trust Jesus. We thank you for that tonight. We give you the honor. We give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, um, I just want to say before you go tonight, just make sure that you understand and know we, we do have five small groups ready to sign up for. Get into a group. And what Jen was saying at the beginning of service, the happiest people that in my 32 years of ministry, the happiest people I've ever come along in their church experience is those who are serving in some way and those who are giving financially. I find that that is the most... Uh, incredible way to connect with your church, with the folks around you, with your family. So I really want to encourage you to get into a small group. It's so important to get into a small group, uh, to be a part of it. And I think it's really going to go great. So if you can, just go ahead and uh, sign up on there tonight. Uh, and Steve will be over here as well, uh, talking to you if you want to help or you'd like, hey man, I can, I can lend a hand. Please come and talk to Steve. He's going to take your name down and all that good stuff. Everybody good? Awesome. We're so thankful that you came. God bless you. Come next week. We'll see you soon. God bless you guys.